This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery.
It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi. Hi, I'm Tiffany and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the show. Would you like to tell us how long you've been sober for? Um, 29 years. Wonderful, wonderful. And tell us a little bit about life outside of AA. You mean now? Now. Family, you've got family. Well, I have a very full life now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, my family, we're all reconciled. Wonderful. Family. And you're married. Married. Yeah, married, yes, to another alcoholic in recovery. Wonderful, wonderful. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about Tiffany. What what was it like growing up? Um, very dysfunctional family. There's no doubt about it. Alcohol was sort of in the cabinet. They didn't drink every day. Mm. Um, I was fearful around it in a way. My mother was very very controlling, and then I found out her father was sort of an alcoholic and gambler, basically. Mm. So there was a lot of control about how much I could drink. Um, what I noticed is that they had parties because Dad was in the bank and they'd come home and the whole mood would be elevated. Mm. And I, I liked that, mm. even though I was quite young. Mm. And um, otherwise there were lots of arguments and around the dinner table, lots of control. Mm. 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 But okay. they weren't bad people as such or heavily mm. alcoholic. Mm. But it was around... Yep. So, so Tiffany, tell us what it was like for you and, and how you started drinking. Well, at first I just wanted that buzz and I knew that I would be sophisticated if I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so at the beginning, you know, it was just there. I didn't seek it. Okay. It was just, you know, I mean, I'm a bit older. You know, I didn't. We didn't have a lot of alcohol around. We couldn't afford it. Mm. But we'd go to student parties and, you know, he'd have a drink. Mm. 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 And, and so as you progressed into, into, your, into adulthood, what was your drinking like? Well, it was still intermittent. It wasn't – I mean, I married, I had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I wasn't happy in that marriage. So I did some things like um, I went back to art school, I lived in a commune, and a drink and, you know, dope was available, but Mm. I wasn't still over it. But there was something missing in my life, and I can see that I still wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't really reach rock bottom. Actually, the thing that really brought me to rock bottom was my son's addiction. Right. Yeah, because we were living in a commune. And sure. We were an alternative lifestyle. Right. And he really got into it, and it was heavy, heavy, heavy duty. Mm, mm. So I knew things were wrong then. And through that, I had to look at myself because, you know, I was blaming him for everything that was wrong in my life. And mm. I was drinking more. Right. Yeah. And I realized something was wrong on Christmas morning when I spent all this money on getting drink rather than, 
Yeah. So your priorities, yeah, okay. And so, um, you know, so I guess you could see things were not right as a result of some of those family dynamics. Were there any consequences for you, though, as a result of that? Well, I had to tell lies to my parents. Right. Because he did land in jail. Mm. Um, Well, I chose to, Mm. you know keeping up a good front. Mm. And, um, yeah, things were getting desperate anyway in our house between me and my partner. Um, very unhappy thinking mm. that life was downhill, mm. Mm. really. So your mental, yeah. your emotional states were... I didn't really drink to blackout or anything like that, but <clears throat> I controlled it. Mm. Basically because of my son and also my daughter got into it too. Mm. Um, But as soon as he got into recovery and I could see the change in him, I sort of thought, oh, well, I can just be, you know, I can do what I like now. And that didn't work. Right, Mm. right. So I really realised that I had the traits of an alcoholic. But, you know, it was slow and I didn't want it. Yeah. So, so tell us, and how did you make your first your way to your first meeting? What was it that made you? Well, go? somebody said to me, "You're an alcoholic." How did that feel? <laughs> <laughs> Denial uh, came out. So anyway, um, I was with a group of people, and we were drinking a little, you know. Um, anyway, she shared her story, and my story actually. And I thought about my story. Hers was extreme, but I recognised um, the thoughts and the way she mm. did it, and I related. Mm. Yeah. So and I know my first drink now. So you related with this woman's behaviours as more so than, not more so, but as well as the drinking. Well, I'd always denied my drinking because I drank with people who drank more than me. Right. So I was safe, wasn't I? <laughs> 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 yeah, I did. And also, yeah, just memories of when I had drunk and things went really wrong mm. and that elevation of, and the way I behaved mm. was not good. Mm. You know, mm. I did, things came out of my mouth that mm. I regretted. Mm. I don't know whether it was blackout, but yeah, similar in a way because I'd wake up the next morning, hmm, why did I say that, you know, mm. Yeah. So, so so tell us about that first meeting then. What was it like? Well, it was, I had the experience of relief. Right. Just seeing I was an alcoholic. And it felt natural? Yeah. Wow. Mm. And tell us about what the people were like at, at the meeting and well, how, how did they treat you? We were on holiday. It was in Taupo. Mm-hmm. And they were lovely. In fact, one of the women who talked to me, she did come down to Christchurch and I became friends with her again. Mm. Mm. And, um, you know, tw- 29 years, mm. uh, tell us about what are the things that you've done and what your program of recovery looks like. Well, I got myself a sponsor mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, she was a young woman whom I taught at school. Ah. I t- taught at uh, uh, alternative school and she was, uh, you know, she was actually a friend of my daughter's and was... Amazing, actually. Um, And had, you know, I knew she was an alcoholic, obviously, because she was in the program. And um, I asked her to be my sponsor. And she was amazing. She was so kind. Um, 
And we just went through the steps. I did my step four, and I often share how lovely that was, um, you know, because I was, you know, like everybody ashamed and, you know, did I really do this? Yes, I did. <laughs> and um, she sat beside me and it was just, you know, and said, yep, you know, she understood. I just felt, again, that relief. Um it was lovely. She said, now go home and just have a quiet time, um, you know, after the fifth step. Yeah, um, and we really didn't do step six and seven. I do, we're, I'm doing it now, fully, mm. and I realise just how much still I have to change, mm. you know. Mm. And then we did eight and nine and ten, yes, I would do that and did the 11 and 12, you know, the meditation. And um, she left to go traveling and I got another sponsor. All my sponsors have been really wonderful. Mm. I've kept with the program. I've never left. Mm. I love AA. There's no doubt about it. I love the stories people tell, mm. you know, and how they change and how they open up. And I always say that my life changed. There's no doubt about it. I was disillusioned, going downhill, um, feeling unhappy, mm. you know, and even though I'm much older, I still look forward to my life, you know. Mm. I see it opening up. Yeah. And like one of my sponsor, other sponsors said, you know, the road does get narrower, so I have to be more truthful, more, sure, more sure. everything, you yep. know. I can't get away with what I yep. used to get away with. And so you, yeah. you talked um, in, in sort of detail there about the steps, which are the program of recovery that we, we talk about and described in the big book, yeah. um, and sponsorship. Yeah. T talk to me about service and what that's done for your recovery. Well, I have done service, you know, right at, you know, up to GR and all that. Um, it was good. I found it quite hard. I prefer being a sponsor, you know, working in my group, really. With people. <clears throat> with my home group, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I respect people who've done it, and I go to assemblies, and I love them. Mm -hmm. and, and I do service in that sense of sitting on the desk and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, things like that. Running a meeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah do that. <laughs> yep, keeping, keeping uh, the, the fellowship going. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so talk to us about some of the times, you know, throughout the last 29 years where life has, you know, um, been somewhat, has been difficult, life on life's terms. What are some of the things you do to ensure your recovery? Well, my son did recover, as is in recovery, but he got into a terrible relationship. And, um, yeah, it, and his son, you know, they had a beautiful son and so there was this terrible thing of you know custody I don't know if you know about those battles but they're terrible and I used to go to my meetings and there was one woman in particular that I talked to and she said I'm praying for you hmm. I'm praying for you and I just felt that you know that strength or support and now I say it to other people hmm. and um yeah, it was it was huge that, and I've had a couple of huge things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I've stuck with the program, kept praying, tr 
trying to be on my side of the street, mm. not getting into telling stories. You know, I can do that, of course. You know, drama. <laughs> and <laughs> But i really trying not to do that. You know, the, everybody's got their story. Mm. And, um, mm. yeah, I think, yeah. And um, mm. so, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, what, what your life is like today. Well, um, you touched uh, briefly on, on family and, and yeah, re- yeah, reconciling. Yeah, we are, and, you know, really good. Um, so, on, well, I ring people and they ring me, um, <laughs> part of another spiritual group that I'm, you know, do a lot with, go to meetings, um, go out to the movies, have a friendship group there. Um, I'm an artist. I have got my own studio, so I work there. I'm working towards a exhibition, so I have my art friends. I draw once a week with another group. <laughs> so a very full life. <laughs> yes, very full. And and something that w- you wouldn't have had. Not like this, no. Without recovery. No, and it would have been sort of rushing from here to here. It's not like that now. So, and we have lots of people come and stay in our house. We've got a lovely woman from Austria in the program staying mm, with us. And, wow. So yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. global, universal program. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, and you mentioned just briefly there on the not rushing. So life's a lot calmer. Well, I'd like to think so. Not always, <laughs> but that's the aim. And, you know, and a group of us are doing Drop the Rock. I know it's not AA approved. But it is really good on the step six and seven, you know, really looking at my character defects. And I'm not bad. I have defects, but I'm not bad, Mm. you know. And knowing that perfectionism means just Mm. being thorough, Mm. not perfect. Mm. And, yeah, Mm. just learning those, you know, deeper meanings. And, in fact, in a way I feel I know less as I get to another level. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I know less about uh, uh, it all. <laughs> we've, you've touched on spirituality, and, and we talk about AA being a spiritual program, mm. not a religious <clears throat> program. What does it look like for you, or, or what was it like in the beginning, and what does it look like now? Well, before I came into AA, I was not anti-AA, but I thought, you know, somebody who needed AA must have been really terrible or something was hopeless. Well, true, but, you know, I was hopeless too, but, Mm. you know, I didn't see that. And I had left the church and and I'm interested in, you know, um, I'm I'm grateful for the upbringing that I had. It wasn't, you know, overly, Mm. it was good. Um, and, yeah, I've found the spirituality in AA to be my church, if you like. Um, I had lost touch with my higher power, there's no doubt about it. Mm. And now I have a higher power. I don't know what that is really. Mm. But I, I have hope, mm. yeah. And I see it in other people and I believe that God loves, uh, you know, me and other people. And it's the unconditional love. Mm. And I know it's hard, you know, <laughs> without sounding corny. Mm, yeah. mm. Mm. But there is mm. a, a power mm. greater than mm. yourself mm. out there. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah. It has to be, really. Mm. <laughs> um, Tiffany, what would you recommend for someone who thinks they may have a drinking problem? What are some of the things they could help ask themselves to help them decide? Well, I'd, I'd say go to meetings, really, and talk to other people. And I mean, people say, well, try it for so many days, but I could control my drinking, but for, you know, a certain amount of time, mm. but... I don't know. Mm, I would just say be open. Mm. Mm. Give it do a go. Do you want to? Do you oh. want it in the end? Mm. 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 Do you want to change? Do you want a happier life? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you. So for our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM. 96.9